0: Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK
1: production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled if you've got a pulse. This podcast is for you. If you're hungry for more, If you're fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We've been called to communion in Christ, and we've been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So come on. Our title, New Manna, comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the New Manna, the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us daily in the Holy Eucharist. So today, I have the pleasure of being joined by one Daniel Morrow and Mr. Will Carey. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Lee. Hello. Wow. Cool to be here, right? It's yeah. great to be here. So good to it's be really here. Really good, good to have you. Good to have you. So we're sitting here in Reach KCK's music room. Big shout out to Jessica Cabral and the Reach KCK community. Thank you for opening your doors to us. Uh, we would be at Blessed Sacrament, but things can get loud over there especially with construction and contractors and all this jazz. so Some cleaning going on. Smells like Clorox in the house right now. Love me some Clorox, mm. right? Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. But, guys, we're really excited to have you. Um, Thanks for joining us today if you're listening in. If this is the first time that you're listening in, welcome to the show. If this is your, I don't know, 15th time, or I don't know how many episodes are out by this point, but... Welcome back. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all of those who have left reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're helping us get the word out to the world that Jesus is alive, that he's about a good work, and He is truly present in the Holy Eucharist. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And guess what? If you haven't done that yet, it takes literally 30 seconds. Just click all the stars, five stars, and just say, mm-hmm. this thing rocks. Gentlemen, I tell me a little bit about who you are, what your stage of life is, kind of where you're at right now.
0: Yeah, so... Will Carey here. I am a fifth-year seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. I am a convert, uh, raised in in Westwood, Kansas. So, Saint Agnes Parish is is my parish. Had I been raised Catholic, that's where I would have gone to mass and been been raised. So you weren't raised Catholic. I was not raised Catholic. No, grew up going to Sunday school, baptized Presbyterian. We went to church on Sundays. Um, we switched to the Methodist church, uh, mega church called Core, Church oh, yeah. of the Resurrection. A spaceship church over there, right? Yeah, man. I so, say
1: spaceship because it literally looks like a spaceship, not it, well, not for any other yeah. reason. Just because it the church itself literally looks like a spaceship. Yes. So Good. that just wanna clarify. Yeah.
0: Good. I, I knew the Lord growing up, but I fell away from my faith in high school as some do and kinda just went down the road that the world said would make me happy. Mm-hmm and hit rock bottom when a couple years into community college with little to show for my time there i passed out behind the wheel of my dad's car drinking and driving mm. and it was a it was a very dark place dark wow. time yeah. um and so cried out to the lord in that in that place and he yeah he told me he showed me that there would be light and i could i could sort of see it i could see a little pin prick of what he was what he was offering mm. what was what was to come if i were to follow his path instead of my own which i had been which i had been following so i asked him to put me on on his path and not mine and and then that began a journey of of searching and i ended up meeting a saint paul's outreach missionary joe d'amato who uh, right on remains a good good friend to the day yeah. to this day so
1: yeah. awesome shout out joe you rock where yeah. to go,
0: Joe? Went on a retreat, gave my life back to Jesus, and everything everything changed. It was there was a spark of faith that lit a lit a flame.
1: Who? Uh, so SPO? What's SPO?
0: Yeah, good question. SPO St. Paul's Outreach uh, builds Catholic communities on um, on the college campus, mm. in, specifically now also in young adult circles. Yeah. Um, Across the U.S.? Yeah. Across the U.S., yeah. yeah. That that retreat that lit the fire, and then having a community of people to help me live my Christian faith. Was it the Fan and the Flame retreat? The Fan and the Flame retreat. Right on. Exactly. Um, and then having this group of guys, and it was a relatively smaller group at the time, but Catholic missionaries, yeah. some other Catholics, and then some other Protestants, too. I was still Protestant, and they were just... They were living authentically Christian lives, and I... <laughs> saw their joy, and I I wanted that, I wanted what they had, and they really helped me to, to live my faith in college. So yeah. I transferred to Emporia State. I met a great Catholic chaplain there named Father Nick Blaha, whom Dan and I now have the pleasure of serving with on our pastoral internship year as seminarians. Mm. I'd accepted an accounting job, but I felt called to give back what i'd received basically sure and so ended up serving with saint paul's outreach for two years at benedictine college and while i was there really discerned my vocation seriously had god was god calling me to totally give my life over to him yes he calls all of us to do that come on how was he you know inviting me to do that um by way of married life or a celibate vocation. Yeah. so and
1: it's like as men we're, we're called to be fathers mm-hmm. in one way or another like how, how are we like how are we going to answer that call of fatherhood is it to be a father of many mm-hmm. um, through the through the priesthood right through that that spiritual fatherhood that you um, kind of are, are adopted into that role that you assume wherever you go within the parish community that you're assigned mm-hmm. to or you, um, to be a father of few uh, in a biological family mm-hmm. yeah it's a great question.
0: Espe- yeah, it seemed especially at the time as I was learning to give, give everything to him um, that he had that he had given me a heart that was just, just for himself and not for, not not for marriage. Sure, um, and that that was the way I was called to be fruitful s- spiritually. And so, I you did it. I did it. Give I discerned you- what that was supposed yeah. to look like. Yeah, and. The diocesan priesthood was yeah. what was what was revealed in time. So,
1: was there a moment in your conversion process where it clicked for you, not just within community, but within with respect to the Holy Eucharist? That it was like, okay, I want to become Catholic for the sake of this authentic community that I've been witnessing to, or like with it with respect, with respect to the Eucharist. What was the defining factor there for you?
0: Yeah, the, you know, the Eucharist was a challenge. It was a challenge for me. I went to seek in Nashville. I heard Father Mike Schmitz give that talk, the hour that will change your life, yeah. I think. It was hard. I, so I wasn't Catholic yet. And it was really, the Eucharist was a hard teaching for me. And I will say there was a an SPO missionary who who brought me to adoration even kind of early in my conversion. I just remember, he, I mean, he was just going to stop in for 10 or 15 minutes. He kind of explained, we believe this is Jesus's true body and his blood is present here his body and blood and um i was kind of like okay yeah Uh, this another catholic thing um but i was really i think there i did fall in i began to fall in love i I was taken by something and he left and i just stayed there i was really i was just drawn and i um i didn't want to leave for some reason i didn't i didn't understand it but I was drawn to it.
1: So the maturation process, chew on that. Mm. Dan, Good. tell us a little Lee. bit about you, your season of life. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, I'm a uh,
2: from Overland Park, from the area here. I was baptized as an infant, baptized Catholic, from a family of four kids, and went to receive my sacraments. Went to grade school at Holy Spirit Parish in Overland Park, and then to St. James Academy for high school. Nice. After that, I had the dream of being a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Went to Benedictine College with that as the hope, and lasted a full year at yes. Benedictine. Um, I actually met the missionary Will Carey, um, our hey. friend here. My first night there on on campus, we played some frisbee
1: together. Dude, frisbee so, is the best evangelization. It's tool. true.
2: So I was the the pagan in need of evangelization. <laughs> right. Will <laughs> met me on the on the football field, and
1: that's so funny.
2: Um. So yeah, I was there for a year and in that in that year the the call to the priesthood became became clear and yeah, it became clear that God was asking me to enter seminary. So in two thousand seventeen then I yeah I entered. I stu done all my studies at in Saint Louis, Kendrick mm-hmm. Seminary, so both college, finished my college degree there. Yeah. Now we're rounding off our theology degrees, yeah. our masters, so
1: that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's been 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 a blessing. I think there's a huge misconception out there with respect to seminary. It's like, okay, I'm going to seminary, therefore, that automatically means I'm going to become a priest. No, it is not. Nope. Not true. It's one step at a time. Exactly. One year, one semester at a time, and the call becomes clearer as time goes on. <laughs> yeah, it's not uncommon for those who enter seminary to leave. It's more common. Some come back, some go and get married and live beautiful lives as dads. Shout out Abe Kadivi, hey, who just got just got married, just got married.
0: Former seminary, anyways. Hey,
1: love that. You know, just be faithful in the little yes, and as you're faithful in these little yeses, those bigger yeses are going to be a lot easier when they do come. So, Amen. yeah, I just want to give a plug for it's a great plug. You're not signing your life away when you go to seminary. Not on day one. Not on day one. We'll promise that eventually. That's later. Yeah, later. So, what year are you? Like, what stage are you in seminary?
2: Will and I were classmates. We entered at different times, but we are now in the same class. So, we have finished two of the years of theology study. Right. So, we we both have done our philosophy. Yeah. And then we're both through two of the academic years of theology. Then we all have, as Will mentioned, a year in a
1: parish. Okay.
2: As an intern. We're at coming to the very end of that here at the beautiful parishes of Blessed Sacrament and Christ the King here right, in KCK. Right, right. So, come August, we will return to school for a little victory wrap right. lap of two more years. Right. And God willing, next May we'll be ordained deacons. Nice. And the following May ordained priests. Next May. Next May. Wow. Pray yeah. for us. Come on, please.
1: A lot of people don't actually know like what happens at seminary. Yeah. Like, are you you just, you dress up in these pretty white robes and you learn how to ring bells and levitate. And we chant as we walk down the. the, the (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
2: Not just just in the chapel, no. I mean, as you're walking through the
0: halls. Exactly.
1: You're 24-7 pious, right? So, no. What is seminary life actually like?
0: So, we don't chant halo. Um, Sometimes we do chant, but it's kind of a combination between. I've heard it said like a, a military barracks, a college campus, yeah. and a monastery. So there's there's formation of the human person, right? Like a military barracks would be. Uh, it's it's like a. I mean, we take classes, you know, Monday through Friday. So it's like a it's like a college in a lot of in a lot of ways. In fact, some of some of our professors are technically slew professors st sure. louis university professors because um, you're at kendrick as well right yeah and then we have a you know we have a regular regimen of prayer that we do as a community right um either morning and evening prayer or the holy mass which is always after morning prayer for the most part yeah yeah, yeah. any yeah. other thoughts oh
2: I, yeah i think i think funny enough the pandemic pandemic time gave us a put this question really in our minds, what, what are we, you know, yeah. as we were, everyone had different rules for different types of institutions, sure. like, well, no mm. university rules don't make sense for us. Or, you know, this, like, what, what, what are we? And I think in that time, it to me became most clear. It's really like familial living mm-hmm. in the seminary that mm-hmm. um, there's a common life. Yeah. We live in the same space. We share meals, we pray together like a family. And it just happens that all the members of our family are dedicated to Studying theology, yeah, and, and seeing the ver- pursuit of growth and the virtues to be able to serve God's people as fathers, right? So, yeah, amen. A family trying to do, yeah, those two things.
1: Yeah, you're learning, you're learning um, fraternity, you're learning and practicing paternity, mm-hmm. and uh, you're learning also how to to truly shepherd and pastor and and, and steward a flock of people. The, the a family yeah it's just like absolutely th- all these varying degrees of family life like you are learning and and walking and not just the academic and theological study and, of philosophy and theology and which are essential for being able to speak into and about holy things but yeah just the the human element absolutely is not like stripped bare mm-hmm. of you and I think as yeah. Will mentioned monastery
2: and I think in a lot of ways we are In so far as the rhythm of prayer, we are like a monastery. But also, on the opposite end, Mm. the priests of the seminary often say, we want this to be like the training ground of the parish. Mm -hmm. We want the ground floor to be the parish. And then, sure, your upper levels, that's where you live. But they've taught us well to make the seminary a place where we host. Mm. Again, like a house, right? You invite people in, you Mm. you have them at the table. Um, So, Kenrick Seminary, at least, in St. Louis is a very welcoming place like that. We have people... All types of groups of guests, all the time. We get right. emails. This this parish is bringing this tour, and it's, I mean, an invitation to people that might be interested. If yeah, you're passing yeah. through St. Louis, reach out to us. We'd love you can, to. You can visit these places, yeah, right? Yeah, it's and not like, would, I have to. No, yeah. I mean,
1: we would love to show you. What other fun stuff do you do? Yeah, a lot of sports.
0: A lot of sports. Yeah, sports. sports. Yes,
2: yeah, sports. A lot of basketball, sports, soccer. Soccer's popular.
0: Yes, we we pretty much have. <laughs> we're we're able to play pretty much. Anything you could imagine, basketball. Yeah, guys play racquetball. Uh, we have it, it's on about forty acres. Um, it's so a that's, lot of land. It's, it's great. great. It's kind of in a neighborhood too. Um, but so there's like a running trail that goes all the way around, and then we've created a disc golf course recently. Nice,
1: froth, come on, yeah. Dude.
0: There is uh, there are tennis courts. Dan plays ba- basketball. Mm. Um, yeah, it can actually. I mean, it can be a distraction. You know, if you were to let it. If, uh if you were to play a sport every time every person is playing a sport Mm. you would not do anything else right right (laughs) some guys struggle with that (laughs) i did early in my time like i'm like
1: yeah i want to do everything at the same time i'll do it all right yeah Yeah. that's the college struggle though
0: yeah correct that's that's just
1: i don't think that goes away no so Thank you for telling us a little bit about seminary. If you're out there listening and you're like, man, I think I might have a call to the priesthood, um, what do you do? You reach out to Father
0: Dan Morris. Yeah. Vocations director. Vocation director nice. of our
1: archdiocese. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Talk to your local priest. Talk to your local priest. Yeah. Send him an email.
0: Maybe by this time, maybe by the time you're listening to this, reach out to uh, Father Luke Doyle.
1: Associate, Associate director of seminaries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Vocations yeah. related. Yeah. Father Luke's the man. He was on yeah. episode one of the podcast, so... If you want to know a little bit about who he is, what he's about, check that out. And then also know that seminarians and priests, they are normal people and you can talk to them.
2: Right. We'll see if Lee still has that opinion at the end of this uh, oh, podcast I know. here. know. I know.
1: I slept on the floor of Aaron <laughs> Waldeck, his, his room, for <laughs> yeah. like
0: a year uh, as I wrapped up school at KU. So, Which is surprising that you think then you think seminarians are normal people. Maybe I'm not normal either. Nah, <laughs> Maybe we're all just. <laughs> we're all struggling together. with yeah, that. No.
1: I'm okay with that, though. Me too. So. Dan, tell me a little bit about your your love story with Jesus. Um, You know, some people have just some people were graced from an early age to just have an intimate relationship with our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, but some people that's learned like myself um, later in life. So, what was your what's your story there? Great.
2: Yeah, and I love I love the way you asked that. I think the to say to say it that way, love story right, says that it's not a we reach a point and it stops right, but love is constantly deepening, constantly. People who are in love continue to grow in love, right? That's there's, yeah. no, there's no end. Um, for me, it's I, being baptized Catholic, right? Certainly, there's the potential that right. could have been for my early years. There's a deep love. Um, I wouldn't say that was was the case, but I do. Yeah, I, I've glimmers, little moments from the child, my childhood of experiencing the Eucharist in some way that stand out. One of my earliest memories is. Um, being in my dad's arms in the cry room and him explaining the bells to me. Mm. That's, and I remember that thinking of that often growing up. Just, this is, something's happening here cool. when the bells are ringing during mass. This is a holy moment, the consecration. And then I think the the beginnings of that love story really started in, in my junior high years. Mm. Um, another, again, another glimmer moment was Father Story was our pastor at Holy Spirit at the mm. time. And we... He just had a great zeal for promoting adoration and one of the ways he did that was he made all school benediction a I think a monthly thing. I don't mm. remember the schedule exactly. Sure. It's a long time ago now, but I remember, you know, not having really been to adoration before, not having spent time with the blessed sacrament, definitely not in the monstrance in that way, but he would bring the monstrance from the adoration chapel at Holy Spirit in procession. And walk straight through the center aisle of the church with a server in front of him ringing the bells, and we would all fall to our knees as he was walking down the aisle. And I mean that just that was that stood out to me, right? That was something powerful, right? As as he's walking, we're that's big, yeah. So that 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 stands out. And at about that same time, um, as I'm, so for me coming to know Jesus in general began in that time, eighth grade. Um, through actually through St. Louis de Montfort's um, consecration to Mary cool right so that my sister who was, that was big for me too big for you yeah. great yeah she was four years my senior um, she had a big impact in her life and I saw the transformation of her heart mm-hmm. and I wanted to experience what transformed her heart so really for those who don't know about that simply just reading the writings of St. Louis de Montfort learning about the m- maternity the maternal care of yeah. the Blessed Virgin Mary um mm-hmm began my opened my eyes to see that we have a father right god is our father who takes care of all of our needs yeah. and one of the ways he does that is through the protection of mary his mother yeah. through her, in her intercession so that was the beginning of coming to know the love of god really through through yeah. so in 8th
1: grade 8th grade so you were raised catholic had beautiful catholic memories with your dad but it wasn't really until 8th grade just wanted, yeah. i, mean, I just, yeah. so like this is normal and here you are sitting here studying to be a Catholic priest. That's, so, like, that's normal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, praise God that it, it, yeah, that the love story began, right? Yeah. And, um. And, and so in that time, as I'm, that began moments of seeking, seeking God's presence in, in that chapel there, Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then quickly after going to St. James, yeah. having the amazing blessing of, Again, something before a year before I would never have thought of, but daily mass, yeah, at the school, and again, thanks to all those involved there that have made that a possibility since the beginning of the school, that every student every day could can attend the
1: holy mass. And I would say at least half of everybody we've had on the show so far has some tie to that place. Wow, Saint James. There you go. Oh, like you can tell the Lord's hand is upon Mm -hmm. that place. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So both there and Holy Spirit. um, Yeah. Moments of silence in the in the chapel. being able to leave lunch for two minutes at St. James and, and experience a peace, right? Events, the uh, yeah. high school, which can be kind of crazy, right? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> was for me, like, I mean, even if there wasn't that, that deepening we talked about, even if nothing more deep happened after that, I there was enough there for me to hold on to for my life. Mm. Like, this is... This is an anchor. Yeah.
1: The chapel is an anchor. There's a piece that comes there. Literally the, was it, is it? Is it the <laughs> altar? Bless your heart. You. Uh, the altar or is it the tabernacle that was built on the center rock of the entire property? That's right. The tabernacle. So cool. Tabernacle. Literally mm-hmm. an anchor. On Come this on. giant stone that big they dug out rock. when they were constructing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Like, hey, we found this big stone. What should we do with it? We want it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, if we could just pause. Please. Dan naming the, uh, just that little bit of our Lord that was able to, to, to sustain him, um, just that little bit of daily mass and or adoration, you named it as if it, it wasn't much, but it sustained me. And like, that's man, that's what the manna in the desert was as big time for the the Jewish people. And they complained about it, you know, sometimes I'm not saying you were complaining about it, but yeah, it wasn't much and yet it sustained them. And this yeah. new manna does does sustain us yeah
1: the Lord knows that we need things like mm-hmm. he's Jesus is wrapping up his sermon on the mount and what does he choose to end it with I've got you like your father our Father in heaven has got you like he knows what you need he knows everything that you need before you ask before you mm-hmm. ask you think the birds are cool? yeah dude you're <laughs> worth more than any of these birds all of them put together. Yeah, don't worry, and it, just this—the word—it's gonna break off something for somebody out there, like sufficient for a day is its own evil. Like, don't be anxious, don't worry about tomorrow. The Lord's gonna take care of it. Mm-hmm. The Lord is going to take care of it. He always does, as long as we just surrender to Him, mm-hmm. give it to Him, say, Lord, look, I don't know what's going on with this situation. I don't know where I'm at. I don't. I feel totally out of control. He's like. That's my sweet spot. I've got this. I kind of do that whole thing, you know, reigning chaos into order. That's kind of mm-hmm. my my uh, specialty. If yeah. You will. So, so we'll we'll take me back to okay. So you're in college, maybe coming out of college, um, thinking about joining an SPO. Uh, what what was your relationship with the Eucharist at this point like, and what happened?
0: Yeah. So I joined the church in April of 2015. Okay. Easter of
1: 2015. And in, in retrospect like with respect to school and yes my
0: junior year of college so I had transferred from JUCO from Johnson County Community College to uh to Emporia State and started church shopping kind of once I was once I was there yeah in Emporia uh no longer with my SPO community right right um and something yeah I knew I needed to check out the Catholic Church there, the Catholic Campus Center there, yeah. um, and there was really—I would walk right by it. I mean, it's right in front of the school business where I was going to school, and so you know Haley Cunningham. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, cool. has she been on? Not yet. Not yet.
1: Haley, we're coming for you. I know that you listen. <laughs>
0: Come on. Um, and I really—I mean, I do—I do remember sort of being drawn. I—I I, I felt something was drawing me there. And I had a I had a Protestant buddy whom I transferred with. He had kind of been with, involved with SPO at JUCO, and so we transferred sure. together. And we were sort of church shopping, and um, I I just I knew I needed to go. And so one yeah. October day, I went into Mass, and Father Nick was preaching. That's how late I was. I don't know. In at the I mean at the time in the no offense to the Protestant world, but like sure. that's not the big I don't know. It's not as big a deal. Uh, right. And that was, that was kind of how my family did things growing up. You know, it was in Father Nick's preaching I think that I was drawn. There, yeah. there was something. There was something about this priest who was living an yeah. authentic priesthood. Um, wow. That really drew me in, and I, yeah. So I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to name the way that the Eucharist was present there. But That's I will okay. say, yeah. Wednesday night adorations really changed my life, and that okay. was where a lot of my discernment came in becoming a missionary, whether or not I should take this accounting track or give my life in, in the mission field, if that makes sense.
1: It does make sense. So yeah. who would have thought
0: discernment happens in front of our Lord? Yeah. In my you know first year as a Catholic, uh, there was confession available there as well, mm. and there was so much... There was so much tilling of the soil and getting rid of stones that were there from the past that also happened you know during that hour of adoration and just giving things giving my past over to the lord my story is a story of redemption and yeah the lord redeemed me through those wednesday night adoration and confession times really
1: so what's your relationship look like with the eucharist today in your daily life you're kind of unicorns to an extent mm-hmm. you got collars around your necks what is your what is your prayer life look like today what is your relationship with jesus look like today it's everything i mean we're again we're
2: unicorns we have the blessing of i, I mean this is it's true to one extent that we have greater accessibility of the eucharist is more available to us being yeah seminarians right that so let's say let's take the seminary for example right we've got Three chapels in the building. The Blessed Sacrament in three different places in the building. You have so, been triangulated. Exactly. Or You are <laughs> surrounded in the best of ways. You're mm-hmm. in brace, right? So, and then often at the parishes, right over here at Blessed Sacrament, we I don't have to walk outside to go visit the Blessed Sacrament. Mm. I walk through the the office and across the little hallway and yeah. then to my house in, chapel. To my house chapel, right? Is the church. So we, <laughs> I mean, we, we're spoiled. I mean, maybe another way to say it. Yeah. Um, but then praise God. So uh, on the other side that there are so many adoration chapels open at all hours and um so that for anyone that's a possibility too um but yeah so i mean having the eucharist so close having the mass as the center of the day right part of every day um both by expectation but also by desire as a seminarian right that we're we're there daily at mass and then often on on the weekends like the priest it's it's as if the whole weekend is the mass right sure we're um, we're kind of often preparing for it or yeah. um, serving multiple masses. So, but again, uh, and that, that's a beautiful thing to be yeah. to be living it in that way. Um, so for me, the biggest right daily mass, um, an hour of uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Sure, praying the breviary, the time of meditation there yeah. in front of the Blessed
1: Sacrament. And what is the breviary?
2: The breviary is the psalms. We pray the psalms every day. We pray. It's the prayer of Christ, right? Because it's the Jesus
0: pro- prayed, prayed he the psalms. He quoted pro- the, <laughs> the psalms,
2: <laughs> not prose. The poetry. Um, he, to think of our, our Lord in His life, offered prayer and supplication to the Father for for us, right? And so we participate in that. It's the Mass extended. We participate in Christ's prayer yeah. throughout the day, praying the psalms, praying for the people we serve, praying
1: for the conversion yeah. of
2: sinners, and for mercy on us too. Sure. So,
1: and yeah, liturgy of the hours. Liturgy of the hours. Mm-hmm. So it's truly the extension of the mass. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to, to say it. Um and how many like what is so yeah, the Psalms, but is that like all day? Like what do you like how does that actually look? Just break it up for us.
2: Yeah. Five hours. Five hours. Five hours. Full hours. It's not an hour. This is a funny thing. The hour doesn't mean <laughs> an hour. <laughs> the hour means time that you go to pray. Like yeah. a time that you go. So the key, morning and evening. 6 a.m., 6 p.m., let's say. Sure. Those are the hinges. The hinges. Mm-hmm. Then you got night prayer at the end of the day. Sometime in between morning and evening prayer. Uh, another A little break in the day, right? Finding that anchor, finding that rest. Sure. Daytime prayer. Um, and that could be more than once in that yeah. time, too. It has the possibility of right. being repeated uh, if mm-hmm. someone wants yeah. to make that as a devotion. And then a longer, so those are all. Um, praying a few psalms, handful, normally three in those hours, but then a longer one with some longer readings from the Bible, from yeah. the church fathers it's called the office of readings, which we can put at any time during the day.
0: Right. And this is what every priest and religious promises to yeah. pray. Well, the religious all clergy. F- vow, all yeah. clergy promise to pray this with and for the people. Yeah. So like Christ, it's Christ's prayer Yeah, for his people. Um, But it's also, it, it, it should be with the people and yeah um i really it's in my heart to to create space for the people to pray it with yeah father for sure (laughs) morning and evening prayer yeah especially
1: a big fan of kind of just what you said like the morning and evening prayer factor like it's it hasn't been a part of my family's devotional life for a lot we've never actually really done it but i do i can speak from experience that um, in years past that it has been incredibly fruitful mm. um, and you don't have to have a breviary. you don't have to know how to work those little books that you see priests carrying around or whatever like there, are, you, there's an app too many ribbons it. I can't manage yeah them. it's a yeah. lot of ribbons so breviary, great app if you want to like get into um, how do I do this well it's, it kind of leads you through it it's super easy um, mm. and start small like don't be like I'm going to do this for the rest of my mm. life every night, hour night prayer is night a prayer. great place I was going to gonna say the same yeah for sure. Night prayer, morning and prayer, but night prayer is shorter. Um, it's the same every week. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Rhythm. Rhythm. Mm-hmm. Get into that rhythm. R- rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> Two H's always throws me. So some of our listeners might be on the fence about the Holy Eucharist. Uh, maybe they're having a hard time yeah, just wrapping their heart around this, this mystery of faith, this, this Eucharistic reality, or maybe... Um, It's more of a a head knowledge thing, and they just desire more. So what advice would you give to anybody out there who's on the fence with respect to the Holy Eucharist?
0: So I would really recommend reading Luke 24, which has been, even after having come to believe that this is truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ, it's just only deepened my faith. Um, That and Exodus 24, I think. But Luke 24 being really an image of the Mass.
1: Yeah. The road to Emmaus. Yes. yeah,
0: Thank you. The road to Emmaus. Last so, chapter. Yes. Uh, these two who, were, who are followers of Jesus have seen his crucifixion or know of it. They're walking along. They're like, good thing. We had a good thing going, you know? Yeah. And uh, it all kind of fell through. And Jesus comes, you know, he comes alongside them. What are you guys talking about?
1: Right. He draws near.
0: Are you the only one who who has not heard? Right. <laughs> you know they have this they have this dialogue, but he breaks open the scriptures for them. He reveals how it is. All the prophets were foretelling that our Lord would be sacrificed in this way, right. that he would die for us in this way, and um. And their minds are blown. They're like,
1: "Wow." Yeah, hearts you're burning, right. Hearts burning within them. Right. Yeah.
0: And they want him, they want him to stay with them. Yeah. Stay with us. The Greek word there is meno. And it's used three times in Luke. And that's the third time. They say, Stay with us. Mm. And so he comes into their home and eats with them. He took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and all along they haven't known that this was Jesus who was walking with them, yeah, and their eyes are you, open.
1: you'd think the the holes in his hands would have given it away, yeah
0: <laughs> they weren't paying attention, I guess yeah I haven't done much more reading on what the church says, sure, about this moment, but they he vanishes from their sight, he Oof. disappears because he is God, yeah. and he is walking around in his glorified body i gotta I gotta think that's the Jesus has become present, yeah. in the bread that they, that that has just it's that's story, yeah. and the the true story that Luke is telling there for yeah. te- is telling us is, has really deepened my love for our Lord present in the Eucharist, right?
1: Yeah, it was in the breaking of the bread, right? Yeah, well, Will's got some great
0: perspective there,
2: having having made that conversion, right? Having yeah. coming across the Tiber into Rome, mm. uh, come on over. <laughs> I yeah my thought, um, and this speaking for my own my own journey my own falling in love with the Eucharist. I think the it, it's about faith, right? It's the it's the sacrament of faith, mm-hmm. and and just like the disciples that will just mentioned, they don't see Jesus at first. Yeah, he's there, but they don't their physical eyes don't recognize him. Yeah, and so I think that that's that's the open door to the mystery of the eucharist is is the gift of faith right so if right. you're on the fence um and that even if there's openness to the fact it might be true i'd say pray for the gift of faith yeah ask for that grace and and i think particularly in our age right we can no surprise to anyone that we live in an age of materialism right we focus on what we see yeah. is what's real we hear that all the time this you know science is the most real or just it's the yeah. physical what we see yeah. and so um if we want to encounter the mystery of God's love that that needs a sight that's not just physical. Yeah. Um and so I mean there's but there's just then when we have that gift, there's the layers, right? Okay, this is Jesus's body and and this right in the Mass, this is I'm at Calvary, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what is whoa, then what am I participating in, right? If yeah. when we begin to each time, and this so for not just those on the fence, but for everybody when we go to mass that to to start with that right to start with help me to right. see mm-hmm. the mystery right help yeah. me to see with faith that 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 takes it from maybe sometimes we experience routine right or yeah. um weariness in doing the same thing at mass right when when we when our eyes are open right when the the veil is removed right pray for yeah so that's the my advice pray for the gift of mm-hmm. faith
1: yeah and it's not blind faith it's a faith that's trusting a person yes who is God
2: you know if I can jump in one more Please. time I was thinking too about often what I've heard from some some Protestants who have been making this journey that sure. I've spoken with is is really the the difficulty with that word the word sacrifice mm-hmm. right? which I mentioned earlier right what a Christ's sacrifice is sufficient right why why would the mass be a sacrifice why would we do this yeah. again are we are we crucifying him again yeah. right we hear this sometimes um, recently I'm teaching middle schoolers right now, that's part yeah. of my assignment for the year, and we're going through the sacrament of matrimony together. Yeah. We're talking about what Jesus reveals about matrimony.
1: <clears throat>
2: right, Ephesians 5, yeah. husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But what's fascinating, what I've realized in this study with them, is, is the beauty of the book of Revelation describing heaven as the wedding feast of the lamb. Yeah. Right, Which and so there's these great, Works of art like the, the Ghent altarpiece that has heaven, right? All the saints in heaven, and in the center, an altar with the lamb bleeding on the altar. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's something in a mysterious way, heaven is worshiping God who has offered himself, right? Yeah. Jesus, who is who was the lamb who was slain, right? Again, yeah. the words of Revelation. So we shouldn't be surprised then when God wants us to worship him, when he's inviting us in this life to worship him, that that be connected. Intimately with his his offering of himself, right? That when the people of God gather to worship, we're worshiping Jesus who has in love given his life, right? Not just God, abstract God, but God who became man and offered his life. And so, it's that same image of the Lamb and his the followers of the Lamb singing his praise. That's what that's the Mass. And so, again, maybe sometimes people might see the Catholic Mass as unscriptural, but no, this is no, this is Revelation. This is
1: yeah and just to just to put your theology hat on for a second, it's like, okay, God entered into time for our sake, therefore <laughs> everything that he did transcends time mm-hmm. everything, so like we can we have access to his birth, we have access to his agony in the garden, we have access to his crucifixion, we have access to his resurrection. it's all now, I mean, yes, physically in time it happened, but like it's through Christ, the eternal Son of God, that it's eternal. Like that is a metaphysical correct. reality that we have meta-temporal access to right now. I don't know how to. You're describe getting me. a little meta on it. I'm, say, I'm oh. saying meta. It's beyond. It's bigger. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's beyond. That's all that word means. Just be super. Yeah. Um,
0: so I, I don't know. Cor- yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think so. When our Lord says, "Do this in memory of me," the word memory can be can be read as to to make present again make make this present again yeah and this his eternal sacrifice can and is made present again in the mass yeah sounds great to me
1: we submit it to holy mother church to Holy mother church
0: may she delete this podcast if it is not
1: true (laughs) yes lord please (laughs) I think this would be a great opportunity to transition into the second part of our conversation today about *Mysterium Fidei*, the encyclical of Pope Saint Paul VI Mysterium on the Holy Fides. Eucharist.
2: <laughs> okay, well, just practicing to clarify, his, his, his singing for
1: his upcoming yeah. ordination. Yeah, you're ready to go. Yeah. you sounds like you're pretty pretty much there. Ready right to rock. Oh. To clarify, the Church is so rich with teaching, wisdom, mm-hmm. knowledge. And sometimes it can be tough to access uh, because like, if you're like myself, you hear encyclical and you're like, "Uh, how about no, thanks. (laughs) I'm not going to go read one of these for fun, right? (laughs) But seriously, if we were able to break it up, though, and go piece by piece together and walk through it together, maybe with a partner or a small group or whatever, then it's going to be a lot more doable to just receive what the church has already spoken Mm -hmm. through time, through the ages for us still here today. So, the purpose of this document, Mysterium Fidei, the the mystery of faith that Pope Paul is talking about, is to foster a new wave of Eucharistic devotion that will what? Sweep over the entire Church. Today we're going to be focusing on paragraphs 46 through 63 of Mysterium Fidei. If you're following along with us, please, please follow along with us. Um, Those are the sections that we're going to be taking a look at today. This section, paragraphs 46 through 63, 63, which we are reading today, kind of pertain to transubstantiation. That's a very long word, lots of syllables in there, but the transubstantiation is the teaching that Jesus Christ truly becomes present in wine and bread during Mass, that those elements are transformed into his very body and blood, in they become the Holy Eucharist through the words which the priest says over them, with them in his hands. So the elements remain under the appearance of bread and wine, but substantially they're actually changed. They're no longer bread and wine. They're actually the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So, gentlemen, greatest hits, your gold nuggets from this section.
2: Yeah, Leah, highlight for me. This actually, this goes back to what we were just speaking about with faith, right? Paragraph 47, right at the start of that. Pope Paul talks about the fathers say, the fathers felt they had a solemn duty to warn the faithful that they should not pay attention to the senses, but rather to the words of Christ, right? Just like you were, you were pointing out, right? It's not a blind faith. So we're not, we're not paying attention to just what we see with our physical eyes, but it's not just, Oh, I I believe anything that anyone tells me. Right. But uh, Christ has said something. And so I have a, Getting the words here so beautiful, Paul. Solemn duty to put my focus on those words spoken yeah. by our Lord.
1: Yeah. Again, in this context, the words "This is my body." In forty-six, it really got me. Like, what? It, what does transubstantiation really mean? I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, I love words, man. Let's mm-hmm. let's take this word apart. Tran. Let's like, gnaw on it. Let's gnaw I'm on that. Word. Let's trugo that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> let's take it apart and look at it. So, tran transnational, transglobal, whatever, is across. So like Mm. this this thing that is going to be changing um, just like location or physicality, whatever. Transubstantiation. So like the process of something becoming a substance. So Mm. a substance is changing. Transubstantiation. Changing substance happening, being made. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so here's what he's talking about. He says this. As a result of transubstantiation, this is probably a very good synopsis of what transubstantiation is. How many how many times can I say transubstantiation in a minute? We'll find out. You're doing a great job. Yeah. The species of bread and wine, he says this in 46, the species of bread and wine undoubtedly take on a new signification and a new finality. They are no longer ordinary bread and wine, but instead a sign of something sacred and a sign of spiritual food. But they take on this new signification, this new Finality, precisely because they contain a new reality, hmm. which we can rightly call ontological. Ontology is the study of being. It's a branch of philosophy, ontology, um, ontological reality, the essence of being, so on and so forth. People think this is crazy. And they're totally right to believe this. This is nuts. This is crazy. But guess what? It's not my idea. And when you think about it, and you take it apart and you really think, okay, God says, this is my body. But like, why do I have to believe that? Right? Isn't it just a symbol? But the thing is, is that when God speaks, creation changes. Every single time God says something, it changes reality. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let the sun and the moon and the sky and the sea and the heavens, and let it be. And it is so. And in the New Testament, peace be still. Mm. Jesus speaks to the waters, and the waters are still. still. Blind eyes be opened in Jesus' name. I eyes do are w- opened. I do will. Be clean. I do will. Be clean. And mm-hmm. you are clean. You are forgiven. Be healed. Ears be opened. So on and so forth. People think this is crazy. People think this is supernatural nonsense, but it's not supernatural. It's actually the most natural thing in the world. The most natural thing in the world is for creation to obey the Creator. Period. When the Lord speaks, it changes reality. It changes ontology.
2: Hmm. So you're saying, when I say yes to transubstantiation, I'm recognizing the Creator. I'm saying, yes, Right. I believe you have that power.
1: Right. And just beyond that too, like, okay, when Jesus says, this is my body, he's not playing games. Jesus is very clear when he's explaining something uh, parabolically or like through a parable um, via comparison, like talking about the heart, the soul, as like soil, these types of soil, he explains it, he unpacks it with everybody. But when he says, this is my body, he says, this is my body. Mm-hmm. They're like, what do you mean? He's like, this is my body. But like, what do you mean, Jesus? This is my body. As they leave. Right. It's like, you can't really get more literal and double down more than yeah. this is it. Yeah. This is me, this is me, this is me, this is me. Do this in memory of me. Do yeah. this, do this. Am I saying you're saying like in my heart? No, do this, do this. Literally, what I'm doing right now, do it. Yeah,
2: yeah. I love that you compare it with the parables there. I hadn't thought of that explicitly before. But think about, let's take the um, parable of the sower, for example. Right, he yeah. he's got the metaphor, and then later he explains it clearly. If it if it was a metaphor needing explanation, right, right, for something that's such longer than the parable yeah. of the sower, more belabored, right? Yeah. We would we would expect our Lord to, yeah. To not trick us and to explain, right?
1: And even in like Matthew 10, when the disciples are commissioned to go out into these cities and to uh, cast out demons, to cleanse lepers, raise the dead, preach the gospel, proclaim repentance, like the kingdom of God is at hand. He's giving them his own authority. And how do they have the authority to do it? Because he says they do. Mm -hmm. He gives it to them. Like I give you, do this in my name and it will be so. And the same thing goes for, um, like the priesthood at the last supper, same thing at, uh, divine mercy Sunday, whoever sins you forgive will be forgiven. And those whom you retain are retained the, the, the Sunday after he rises from the dead, Thomas is in the room and he's like, Lord, oh my goodness. Like, I'm so sorry. This is so gross. I don't want to get my hand out of your liver. Like, but I said, I would do it. Yeah. (laughs) I said, I wanted this, Um, but like the same thing, right? Um, the same thing goes. It's uh, when the Lord speaks, it changes reality. Mm. When the Lord speaks to us about who we are, it changes who
0: we are. Mm. Yeah. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst.
1: I love how that's transposed to like John 4 with the woman at the well. Mm. Like, how so? Living water. Food and water. There you have it. Yeah. Oh. You've got the bread and you've got the water. You've got the living water not just water living water mm-hmm. right because wells are gross yeah they're mm-hmm. gross muddy well water is nasty it's just stagnant water yeah. yeah you know it's all connected to your aquifer by how many feet aquifers being these giant underground oceans that we have a big one going through the midwest the called call the Ogallala the Ogallala aquifer come on baby come on yeah. you made that up <laughs> that's true <No, nice>. story <laughs> that's true i've written papers on it yeah it stretches from canada all the way down to texas pretty wow. cool cool Water rights and stuff. Big farmer talk.
0: Yeah, big farmer talk. Don't just be, you know, running your farm sprinklers out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, check what's in that water. Make sure it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. We're not talking about that. No, we're not. We're talking about Jesus. Living water. Living water. Like the water that's springing forth. Like, do you want a well or do you want a spring? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I'll take the spring. Thanks. Jesus is saying, I've got eternal spring Mm -hmm. water for you. Meanwhile, you're coming mm. for this dirty quasi swamp water. Mm. I've got something better. The best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so later in the document, it talks a little bit about what you were, you had mentioned ontology, ontological change, or which, yeah, which means, which has to do with be, being, the whatness of a thing, what a thing is. And so in terms of the Eucharist, we know that this no longer is bread. It looks like bread. Right. It tastes Tastes like like bread. bread. The accidents remain, but the substance changes. Yep. Transubstantiation. So it might be helpful to just to give a little background. St. Thomas Aquinas in the... That guy? That guy in the 1200s. He's kind of battling this guy named Veroes, battling in turn, like... Not a really battle of on. the minds, yeah. but he's noticing the Muslims utilize Aristotle, and because Aristotle is being utilized by the Muslims, a lot of Catholics are like, whoa, Aristotle must be unhealthy. Mm. But Thomas Aquinas recognizes the truth that's present in what Aristotle has to say, and he's like, this stuff's amazing.
1: Second only to sacred scripture, he quotes Aristotle the most in mm. all of his writings.
0: Wow, there you go. The philosopher, he calls yeah, him. Yeah. And so Aristotle is who who gives us this understanding of substance and accidents. And that's that's how the Catholic Church takes, yeah. takes it. I'm a guy who, it, it's been by way of Scripture, it's been by way of John chapter 6, that yeah. I've come to truly believe that this is his body and blood. John chapter 6 with the Last Supper, mm-hmm. this is my body. But what has been helpful, and what I think can be helpful to many others, is... Understanding it ontologically theologically you think about what makes a married couple married do, Vows. They, look, do they look
1: any different no words words man words, words change things words in, when we participate in the Lord's mm. authority mm. and his dominion we have the ability to espouse ourselves to whatever we see fit but like within marriage the the, the sacrament the sacrament this visible sign of this invisible reality which is what a sacrament is that communicates the life of god the very life of god that is so powerful mm-hmm. yeah
2: there's a great stanza in a poem of the same saint we'll just mention thomas mm-hmm. aquinas have you talked about the Adorote Devote
1: at all we is talked that... about it a little bit but okay. that's okay Lean okay the in.
2: um mm-hmm. great there's this great stanza this idea of faith in in our in the lord's words right he says um and again, yeah, sometimes that what we need is just a little, is is beauty, right, to bring, to help us as yeah. we wrestle with these things. Yeah. So just a little poetry, it's short. Seeing, touching, tasting, are in thee deceived. How says trusty hearing? Yeah. That shall be believed. What God's Son has told me, take for truth, I do. Truth himself speaks truly. Yeah. Or there's nothing true. Right. Right, so I mean, we're 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 acknowledging it, right? The sight, seeing, touching, tasting—they're deceived. There's something, we can't, yeah. again, we can't see. But but what are we leaning back on? What what truth right. himself has said? Right. And if I can't lean back on that, then I have, I have nothing. There's nothing true. Yeah. Um,
1: and the um, and there's like plenty of church fathers who've spoken about this. Like St. Thomas Aquinas, is Doctor of Doctors, twelfth um, century, f- like philosopher, theologian, Dominican. This guy got it he wrote like millions of pages Mm -hmm. whatever 10 million words 10 million words wow you do the math folks died at 49 10 million words you're writing on sheepskin for paper okay how many pieces (laughs) how many sheep had to die (laughs) fun fact for you um so they would trim these like this is not to get all weird and gross but like so taxidermy okay you have these sheep you're writing stuff on sheepskin whatever um, you cut out the square piece of paper, if you want to call it that, to write stuff on. But the little scraps that get cut off on the sides, St. Thomas Aquinas, he would use. He would take those and use them as flashcards. Wow. Wow. So these little like itty bitty strips, these like little triangles or like weird shaped things, he would use They're those good for something. Yeah, he was like what was he reviewing Do we dude whatever saint thomas <laughs> aquinas review, we'll find out in heaven like what did you learn what did yeah. you um, and it's- just a little bit of so uh 40 uh, paragraphs 47 through um yeah 51 kind of just unpacking some really deep thoughts from the church fathers uh on transubstantiation and um the impact of of like true devotion in liturgy that they've seen firsthand in their uh, communities.
2: Because mm, it's earlier than Aquinas. It's not, Very you hear earlier. that sometimes, oh, this yeah. is just Aquinas using right. the Aristotle, yeah. right? No, this is, yeah. this is the every century it's there. Yeah. Thank Here,
1: you. Here's an example. Um, in 57, he, uh, Pope Paul, he, he quotes, um, where is it? St. Hippolytus. Hippolytus rolls right off the tongue, great first mm-hmm. baby name if you're interested out there, ladies. Um, the ancient documents he says offer many evidences of this, um, this type of worship, this latria, which I'll, I'll kind of mm-hmm. backtrack on just in a second. but Hippolytus, he died in 235 and he said, the body of Christ is meant to be eaten by the faithful, not to be treated not to be treated with irreverence. Just a serious warning, kind of standard protocol, but just like even back then they had such they, they had the utmost respect. And mm-hmm. reverence for this thing that we just kind of take for granted as Catholics today, mm-hmm. like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in fifty five, something that really got me big greatest hit for Lee uh, talking about this this term called latria. Uh, it's pretty short. I'll read the I'll read the. It's like two or three sentences. Moreover, the Catholic Church is held to this belief in the presence of Christ's body and blood in the Eucharist, not only in her teaching but in her life as well. Since she has at all times paid this great sacrament, the worship known as Latria, which may be given to God alone. This, this type of worship that can be given to God alone. So as St. Augustine, he says this. This is what I highlighted because it's just cash. It's cash. It mm. was in his flesh that Christ walked among us. And it is his flesh that he has given us to eat for our salvation. But no one eats of this flesh without having first adored it. Adored it. What does it mean to adore something? to turn one's face toward it. Mm -hmm. And not only do we not sin and thus adoring it, but we would be sinning if we did not do so. Just like this this love, this love, like heartbreaking, heart oozing, heart pumping, just with this, the blood of love for our Lord, like he deserves it all Mm -hmm. because he gave Mm -hmm. it all. And it's hard, it's hard to give him everything. But when we do, everything just clicks.
2: It's beautiful. Yeah. That was a big hit for me too. That paragraph fifty-five, that Augustine quote, and I think that again, that last line you just read: "We would be sinning if we did not do so. We'd be sinning if we did not adore." Yeah, it's like a little dart to the heart there, right? You know, as you said earlier, why to? You know, do I have to? Do I have to accept this? Right? Is this something I can yeah. just, you know, leave to the side? But if sure. if it's real, if God is taken that step to be present to us in this way he's there yeah right and so he's there to be adored right yeah. he's, he's he's asked he's waiting for our love right yeah. he's in the tabernacle waiting for right that love love has poured itself out right let you know and then and I often you know come by hurried or or without my mind to him right
1: sure um to adore him and where yeah. he is it's important to remember who these people are so like San augustine he's not like a recent dude. Okay, he wrote this before 4.30 when he died. Okay, 4.30. That this dude was a preacher, he was a bishop, he would literally, okay, you think you've heard someone preach before? I don't think, and I'm just going out on a limb here, and I'm okay to die on this hill, but I'm just saying, I don't, there's very few people that I've actually heard preach, like preach, who could preach without like a microphone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Microphones didn't exist in 435. No, He was out in the middle of the city square. He was on an elevated stand, maybe, inside a massive church, preaching at the top of his lungs saying this stuff. Mm. And he was trying to get people fired up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is a man who lived a life of great sin before like, being joined to Holy Mother Church. So, like, he has a, a very low tolerance, if you will, for things that are not of the Lord. So like we just have to keep in mind like this man knowing his life, knowing his ministry, um, these things that we can kind of come across like we would be sinning if we did not adore the Lord before he you know with respect to the Eucharist. It's like that's really abrasive. Mm-hmm. But we just have to keep in mind that he's not trying to be a butthead. He just loves Jesus. Mm. He loves Jesus and he's also just trying to throw some caution to us. You know, we, he deserves it. Why, why, why would we be sinning? Because he deserves it. He he deserves our full attention, our full everything, because he's given us everything. You know, the Lord isn't given half measures. He gives completely every time. And the Lord just wants, he desires that reciprocal gift. You know, that's, that's all that he's trying to say. And do you know how men are? They just don't really get words right sometimes. Um. He's, bold. he's bold. He says it. Yeah, he's unapologetic. He's like, I'm going to say this, and... You can cancel me. Seriously. So I, I don't know. I just want to add that qualifier that we just... There are things, there are hard truths that we'll come across that seem abrasive, but we if we unpack it and like kind of get the full picture, yeah. it might uh, <clears throat> soften it or dampen it and contextualize it just a little bit more for us in our current day and age. Another thought that I had was just, there in the church, we have this tradition uh, called Corpus Christi, and Corpus Christi happens... I don't know, is it after Pentecost?
0: Yes. June? Yeah. Early days. Well, June? it depends. Yeah, depends. I mean, de- Yeah. It depends.
1: Second week. Second week after Pentecost, which is 50 days after Easter, so 70-ish days after whatever. Mm. Um, Corpus Christi, though, is this feast where we, we take the Lord in the Eucharist and put him in this beautiful, shiny gold thing called the monstrance and walk around with it, do these things called Eucharistic processions, and you would process... The tradition is is that you'd, as a parish, the parish priest or deacon or whatever would take the Lord in the monstrous and walk the boundaries of, like, the parish boundaries, not just the physical, Mm. like, church, campus boundaries, but the parish boundaries. And those are all cut, you know, like, by city streets. Miles, right? right. Encircle his people. Right. The, The lady would follow with sticks... And beat the bushes, to beat the demons out of the bushes come on. as they walk by. Get out of
2: here! Is that where the demons
1: stay? <laughs> <laughs> bush. I'm
2: just saying this. It's
1: hilarious. No, I'll make and note of so that. True. That's good. It's good to know. Yeah. But so okay, we're, we're talking. Okay, we're saying this. We're sitting here in Kansas City, Kansas. Kansas City, Kansas is big, but like, where did this come from? This came from 13th century Italy, Florence, Rome. These larger metropolises were big. Sure. I'm thinking about all the. The, the Pagani, the, the pagan areas, right? The pagan areas just meaning from the land, those in farm country, those who are tilling the soil, those out in like uh, rural areas, um, that this makes sense, you know? Like walking around, taking our Lord all the way around, miles, blocks, whatever. And just this, yeah, it's a beautiful tradition that we have because like taking our Lord before mm. the people, whether they are... Um, Whether we're able to recognize him or not in the Eucharist, right? Um, But just like processing him around and showing him that he's there and he's ready to receive you with open arms, like like our the church doors are always open, even when they're locked. Figuratively, they are always open.
2: Amen. That's one of the things that many things I love about a procession is there's there there's something inviting about it. Like I've I've seen. Numbers of times the processions coming, and someone who is not just to watch, but right. will just, oh yeah, I'll, I'll walk with that group of people. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, no, yeah. there's no, you can't guard for, like, you can't cage in a procession because right. it's moving. So people, people join, and it's, right. yeah, it's a way of of reaching the community yeah. in that way.
0: And it's done within the monstrance, so that that usually gold-looking, shiny thing that mm-hmm. holds our Lord and shows him to the people. I was recently informed that the word monstrance comes from well in Spanish, mostrar. Yeah. To meaning show. to show. Um and so he shows himself to us. His his arms are yeah. are open to us.
1: He turned nobody away. Yeah. Except for those who thought they were righteous already. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the the benchmark for like being welcomed by the Lord is just acknowledging that you don't have it all together. Anybody with me? Or with is that? Ju- am I just? Oh, is that just me there? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I can't do life alone. If I tried and I have, I'd be pretty miserable. So. Amen. I would fail. Yeah. We need him. Yes, we do.
2: Yeah. Lee, have you been? Anyone ever described to you Corpus Christi here at Blessed Sacrament? No. Tell me. And I, I haven't lived it here myself. Well, you got sticks? We've got lots got? of sticks. No, not sticks, but um. <laughs> So what they'll do on we will process not the full boundaries of our property but around the church here and we'll actually close one of the streets the day before just a little chunk of street cool. and all every group from the parish comes out for it's the whole day the Saturday before nice. Corpus Christi there's big imagine paint by color right like yeah. a paint by color sheet but carpet size, right, on the street. On the street. So that lie that out, and then there's, I think, I don't know what they it's use, sawdust, sawdust, colored sawdust. Oh, yeah. wow. Filling in the spots of these images, right, making like a like a dignified, like a red carpet. A mural, right? think, of, yeah. think of a mural, but the idea is that the priest with a monstrance walks over that. Wow. Right, so, um, but again, another way to kind of draw us out of the normal, to see something on the streets, it's, we're talking about evangelization. If we, we believe this, we want, Others to know what we believe to be invited into, yeah. right? And it's, what a great way to do it, I think, with mm. art, right? With this, these beautiful images. Mm. So I know every parish does beautiful things on Corpus Christi, and I yeah. don't want to take any any from their own parish, but perhaps so uh, worth seeing. Yeah, um, this to, is to the, powerful. To, yeah, yeah, for sure. We're here on twenty second in parallel.
0: Bring your sticks.
1: Bring your sticks. <laughs> Bring your sticks. Get ready. <laughs> Get ready to paint by color. That's beautiful, yeah. um, and that's that's. Um, that's a Hispanic tradition, right? Yeah, but you find it in Italy too. Oh, really? Yeah, it's Orful. very
2: yeah. It's I don't know. Again, yeah. I don't know what they use there. Maybe flowers or but but the uh, yeah well, images on the ground.
0: Yeah. yeah, a lot of times flower petals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So cool. You know, you you were mentioning Augustine, who without fear just proclaims the truth, and and that's Mother Church does that in her in her writings, and sometimes they can seem abrasive if we don't know how to if we don't know how to open them up, and that's what. She also helps us do that in her writings, but yeah. I th- I think recently we've seen a lot of Protestants who are readdressing this transubstantiation mm-hmm. and looking at it again, and so I I think it's a beautiful time to talk about yeah trans transfinalization, because she she is affirming that that does happen, but there's something there's something more, uh, and that is transubstantiation. Yeah. Council of Trent had to say about the marvelous conversion of the whole substance of the bread into the body and the whole substance of wine into the blood of Christ for what now lies beneath the aforementioned species is not what was there before but something completely different and not just in the estimation of church belief but in reality since once the substance or nature of the bread and wine has been changed into the body and blood of Christ Mm -hmm. nothing remains of the bread and wine except the species
1: in 46 he builds on it and he says uh, as a result of transubstantiation the species of bread and wine undoubtedly take on a new signification and a Mm. new finality why because they take on a new reality Mm -hmm. these other people who are trying to just put the Lord in a box in this way and say this is it it's like well no there's more Mm -hmm. see that's the thing with the faith that's the thing with the Catholic Church with this whole magisterium, with this whole, oh, you're all just a bunch, bunch of rules and blah. It's like, no, there's more. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. <laughs> like doors opening up, flying rooms, flying open. It, the access that we have to the Father mm-hmm. through truth is insane. Like what becomes possible and reality itself changing before our eyes, like when we mm. like align our hearts and our minds with truth, which the church is a guiding star through. I think it says that earlier in the document too, that like, what's the deal with the magisterium? What's the deal with the church? Why all this teaching? It's like, well, we've been around a long time and we've had to deal with a lot of stuff. And there's been a lot of conversations and a lot of people who have not agreed. And it's like, we get it. We get it. There's always going to be people who don't agree, but like we have to be able to speak clearly through those moments of conversation and disagreement Um and we have to speak declaratively and clearly for those who um, will come after so that it's easy to understand and continual on the way so they mm-hmm. won't stumble. Like, what does it mean to be scandalized? was mm-hmm. is a very long Greek word that means to trip, to trip on a rock or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, when we are scandalized, mm-hmm. we tripped. We are tripped up by something. Mm-hmm. So the church is just trying to get these little pebbles off of the road for us the church is just trying to get these she doesn't want us to trip who would want their kids to trip (laughs) oh gravity's a great teacher it's like no you should like (laughs) no just stop you know i would
2: love for them to run on this uneven surface up (laughs) right
1: yeah it's like i mean this is the way
2: (laughs) yeah the that notion there of the church not closing doors right like this is what and again as i'm here reading the fathers these these paragraphs that we've been looking at that we kind of we see they're speaking in love about the Eucharist, right? Mm. Like it's, it's these two things together, right? It's, um, it's gift and task, right? Yeah. Like where they're contemplating this gift that's been given and they're yeah. amazed, but just like any gift we're given, it, it does, it does ask something of us, yes. right? So this isn't the church slamming doors, but it's yes. saying, it's like your, like your parent when you were at family Christmas growing up who had to tell you, oh, well, make sure you say thank you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or, or if you mm. don't like those socks, don't say, I don't like these socks, right. right? Say yeah. say thank you and go hug the the person who gave you yeah. the gift, right? Oh, it's like, yeah. and that's not an oppressive rule, right? That's um, sure. that's that's uh, that helps us to realize we've been given a gift, yeah. which maybe in, in me and my littleness, my being yeah. like a child, I don't realize, right? So yeah. that's as we're reading the fathers here say, you know, it's a sin if we don't adore. That's right. that's like, well, go hug your aunt who gave like, you a nice is, gift. Yeah,
1: it's like okay, what's the what's the positive? Uh like it's that's a negative statement, just mm-hmm. like if we're taking things at the grammatical yes. if we're talking about the English language, that is a negative statement, like sin, like it's a it's a statement that is condemning ourselves if we do something. Mm-hmm. But what's on the other side of that coin? Gratitude. Yeah. Love. Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like yes, if we're not loving fully and adoring our Lord, like what are we doing? Mm-hmm. It's not. Loving or adoring, no. we you know? should reciprocate. Exactly, that's yeah. it. We're that's... not trying to shy away from the word of sin because sin is just living a life outside of God. Yeah, that's all it is. Without, without, without. yeah, without. outside of and without, yeah, missing the mark.
0: I might, I might add that. I mean, yeah, it's you know, Mother Church in her charity helps us to see the truth, and as yeah. we've we've been saying, but uh, oftentimes recently people have gotten worked up about certain things that say. Certain sins are disordered. Uh, that's what we would sure. say about all sin. Right. It's not ordered toward the good. Right. Uh, that's what I would say about oh, myself yeah. when I sin. I, sure. yeah, <laughs> there's a disordering in my soul, right. and that's I need the Lord, yeah, to reorder me. You yeah. know, not just this particular. You know, not just this particular sin.
1: And um, to be clear, like the Lord doesn't want to like reset your circuit breaker and like. <laughs> kill every like everything in you yeah and make you like some sterile whatever no no he loves you he loves what you're interested in he loves what you're passionate about he loves everything that makes you you but his love for his perfect love for us is all encompassing it is all embracing but it also doesn't let us leave the same mm-hmm. love demands love requires and when we come into the lord's presence in a in a state of love and like mm. open to being loved. Like we just can't leave the same, not because he won't let us, but because it's just what happens. Like when we actually rest in his love, we come out different. It's We're like, ordered. Yeah, Springs of water flowing up. Yeah. Right? Ontology changes right. in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. And just like, okay, so the church has all these all these things, right? It's a big old Christmas time, right? So imagine you get a, a crossbow for Christmas. Odds are that comes with a lot of like rules and tips and tricks <laughs> and things that you need to accompany it. Maybe you get walkie-talkies. So. You know, like a, like I don't know, like fill in the blank, crazy weird. I don't know. Christmas Game Boy Color. Game Boy Color. Great Game Boy Advance. Game Boy Square. Game Boy. I don't even know what they GameCube. have. Game GameCube, dude. Nintendo. Let's go. Let's just buy it all. <laughs> but all these things come with. Tips and tricks of how to use them. Right. Like, if we don't know how to use them, if we don't know what they mean and they're practical, uh, if they're, yeah, the practical application in our lives, we're just going to use them all as hammers, Mm -hmm. you know? Because Uh if you felt the Game Boy Color, you know that 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 could very well just (laughs) act as a brick because it's heavy. Mm -hmm. We got batteries in that sucker.
0: Especially the Game Boy Pocket.
1: Yeah. The the concept Mm -hmm. that these amazing things, um, they all come with. Uh, instructions mm-hmm. so yes. this,
2: again, as we're you, you said at the beginning why would i i can't read an encyclical <laughs> right yeah. that's hard yeah why so many words yeah well because we've been given so many gifts yeah right exactly there's a there's a little on, owner's manual for every gifts yeah and mm-hmm. god has given to us lavishly so yeah there's things to say not to restrict
1: no but to act as a guiding star amen if we're mm-hmm. out on the sea of life so on and so forth to lead us home guys thanks for joining us today Thanks for having thank us. You. Yeah, Pleasure. Uh, but yeah, I just want to say thank you to our guests. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Will, for being here. Thank you for your yes to the Lord. Thank you for uh, your commitment to loving Him and to loving His people. Uh, I I, pr- I join ev- like everybody listening. Just pray with me. Um, I, I just pray, Lord, that you just bless these two men in their studies, in their formation, that you give them everything that they need to get the job done everything that they need to become the men who you're calling them to be. Thank you for all that you're doing in and through them right now. I pray that you double it, increase it, and just bless them abundantly, Lord. Thank you. Um, and thanks for listening in today, everyone. Um, I hope that this podcast has blessed you. If it has, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Seriously, help us get the word out there that Jesus is alive and about a good work and truly present in the Eucharist. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been New Manna. We'll see you next week.